Basically, I love creating things with my hands. I've always been a very hands-on person. Basically, making people happy with food is like something that I really, really enjoy, and that's sort of like the big, the big thing for chefing, in in my opinion. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Often taking on the role of head chef means you're not only having to manage people for the first time, but manage and balance your own creativity with the desires of the restaurateur too. Sometimes though, a role comes along where head chefs are given complete autonomy on a menu, a chance to truly share their ethos on a plate. Toby Stanfield is the new head chef of Bistro Fitz at the old Fitzroy Hotel. Toby, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you going? Good. You've um, had a few head chef gigs, but th- this one uh, is a little different. I spoke to James Thorpe recently, and he said that he likes to give chefs complete autonomy. Is, is that the position you find yourself in? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's. I actually think it's a pretty rare thing. Um, usually these days, I guess, restaurateurs are generally operators like the sort of people that have worked in the industry for a long time and they've done you know this and that or they've been a chef or you know been Mm. on the front of house and they always like to have their input and have the final say but yeah this is very very different what's it what's it feel like for you i know you've been in the role of head chef before but does it it feel different Are are you nervous about this opportunity or how are you approaching it um yeah i mean it is it it's a different sort of, just a different sort of vibe because obviously other most head chef roles you sort of have a brief where someone's sort of giving you some guidance of where they want you to go with it or something like that but um i, I also am pretty excited because it just means i can really just put what i want up and sort of you know play with the things that i really want to play with and that kind of thing so it's pretty exciting tell us about your approach um the old fitzroy hotel is a um, very popular venue in sydney and you've there's been a string of pretty amazing chefs just previous to you getting the role um how have you approached the menu and, and what should we expect um i'm looking for like the sort of thing that I want to do is kind of having a really solid classic kind of kind of pub menu going on um, downstairs, which you know any anyone can sort of come in and they more or less know what to expect with like you know a pub vibe, and I don't want to make it too too challenging for anyone or anything like that. I just want everyone to have you know a nice relaxing time, feel welcomed, um, and basically just you know, be, be able to sit down and just be like, oh, yes, I want a steak or I want, you know, seafood salad, for instance, or something like that. If you feel snacky, then that's totally fine. Um, I want to accommodate all that sort of thing. And upstairs, I just want to make it like a bit more of a refined sort of bistro menu. Um, you know, just like I don't want to lean too heavily on any particular kind of cuisine, which I've never really done. Um, I like to sort of jump around with flavors and combinations and maybe, you know, not, not keep it all just one sort of, you know, maybe Euro cuisine or, or say Asian fusion or, or something like that. You know, I like to, I like to play with, play with it a bit. 
I want to explore the menu and, and what you are creating there in, in more detail shortly, but take us back to when you were young, what sort of role did food play in your family? Um, so had a pretty like classic upbringing of my mum was always looking after kids like for like oh, over like 30 years she always had kids in the house and, and cooking you know always cooking and that sort of thing for everyone and um, my parents also brought in a lot of sort of people traveling around they met um, who would they'd like to come and stay so I think these people had like a huge influence on um, you know she she always cooked a lot of worldly things like she she sort of stopped from cuisine to cuisine like she really touched on like india for a very long time like some years and then went to thai food for like some years again um and then there was just you know bangers and mash sometimes you know <laughs> um but yeah I, she always she always had something really really nice to put on the plate and i guess that made me appreciate food quite a lot um from a young age she had a few friends that were chefs when i was in my well before i was 10 i reckon it was probably the first time i i sort of helped one cook and we you know made dinner together and it was pretty pretty fun i didn't really realize at the time that it would be such a big part of my life um <laughs> but it was um yeah i guess that was like the earliest moment that i really had was Maybe it was like eight or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. When did you first start thinking about a career as a chef? Um, oh, I was probably in my senior years of high school. Um, it's just having odd jobs, really, like, you know, just making a bit of cash, like pocket money sort of thing. Um, and I started working in kitchens as a, as a kitchen hand, just – you know, because I, I sort of like the environment. I like the people that I was working with. You always sort of mix with a fun group of people, and and it's always, um, you know, it's always quite fun. So that just like drew me in. And then after doing that for like a year or two, um, I sort of, I don't know, I just I just got really sort of interested in in the cooking side of things, and I just decided to take the leap and just just go for it do an apprenticeship do you have any stories from those early years when you were doing your apprenticeship and what sort of impact that had had on you uh i started an apprenticeship around about when i was 19 or 20 um i started in the sunshine coast i was um I just moved back from sydney i just moved down there just to sort of more down here to see you know, what was around and sort of change it up a bit. And then I realized it was just like incredibly expensive because I guess 10 or so years ago when um, in kitchens as an apprentice, you know, you wouldn't be earning very much money at all. Like I think, I think I was getting like 11 or $12 an hour um, in my first year, which was, you know, obviously not really enough to live on. Um, so I moved back there so I could, with my parents and they could help me out for a little bit just for my first year um yeah what a crazy ride that was i really did not have much experience at all and i probably well at the time i probably bit off a bit more than i could chew <laughs> to be honest um in terms of like workload because i'd never really i'd never really witnessed how hard chefs really worked um 
at, you know, back then at, at that point in my life, it wasn't, it was something pretty strange to me. And then that, that was quite a, quite a culture shock, I guess, but it, you know, obviously got used to it pretty quickly. And yeah, I just, I just loved it, I guess. I loved the pressure. Um, yeah. What were the really important uh, venues or, um, or people that you worked with in, in the early years as you were building your career? Um, definitely Paul, Paul Lee and Dan Baum um, from Sales in Noosa, where, where I had my – oh, that was where I started my apprenticeship. Um, those guys, really fun, cool people, you know, really, really nice people to work with, and they – we were very seasoned chefs and Paul, the head chef there, I think he's still the head chef actually. He's been there for years and years. Um, he just had so much knowledge about, about food and just different, different cuisines and things like that. And that's sort of where I got, you know, a hunger for doing a bit more, or, well, not really sticking to one particular cuisine type thing. Um, he really influenced that. Um, and he, really taught me how to how to work fast and hard um which i think carried into my later years he he gave me a really good sort of sort of basic knowledge of grounding sort of um skill set to continue on um i was there for about maybe a year and a half um and then i came down to sydney and i applied it basically applied to all of the best restaurants at the time um and then phil wood uh got back to me from uh, rockwell 89 uh when it moved to bridge street i think it had just been there like a few oh maybe it opened that year actually i think it was open for about four or five months before i got there um well i learned so much from that guy and the whole team there and really got my ass kicked <laughs> multiple times over and over again. <laughs> How different was it compared to the kitchens that you were used to? Oh, it was completely different. Um, just a completely different thing. The The competitive element of the kitchen was just like alien to me. Um, I think it was something that you'd probably expect in, you know, like high, high-end restaurants, any in sort of the bigger bigger culinary spots in the world. Um, but you know, it, that really, really molded me into sort of what I am today. And I'll, I'll never really forget that, that time and a few of the hard and good times, you know, Phil Wood is, um, an incredible chef, but incredibly shy as well. What's he actually like to work with? Um, yeah, he is. He is a pretty strange guy, but also very, very lovely guy at the same time. Um, he's, he was, yeah, he had so many, such a different sort of outlook on flavor pairings. I thought um, there was always a few things that would just, you would just think that would never work um, when, when you just see it on a plate or, or hear, just hear the, the recipe and, when you're first hearing about it sort of thing and for some reason he just had this knack for making things that shouldn't really work work very well um, which I think was a really good superpower of his you made the move back to Sydney and uh, work with Phil Wood you've worked as a head chef in quite a few positions but before those opportunities 
uh, came about? What were the real sort of important places for you in Sydney? Well, to be honest, I actually went straight from sales to Rockville and I was at Rockville for about three years, um, maybe a little bit longer. So I went there as an apprentice and I sort of built my way up to um, CDP on the um, doing the meat section mostly. Um, through there, I just met a lot of people around, like around through the through the sort of staff there and people working at other places. And I guess they just had a pretty big influence on, you know, my time as a chef um, in my earlier years. Um, but after that, I went, I went straight to yellow after that, actually, when it became, uh, oh no, after it became 11 Bridge and went to J Temple is when I left and went straight to yellow because I had a very good, um, well, connection, friendship, I guess, with um, the head chef at the time, Chris Benedict. Tell us about that change. Yellow um, was one of, one of the best and still is one of the best vegetarian restaurants in, in Sydney. What was it like changing that focus to just vegetables? Uh, it was really exciting, actually. Really, I had, like, really bright, Bush, I had a really like bright bushy tail about it, you know. I was like really, really excited to start working with vegetables and see what I could do or what what people would do and could do with, you know, playing with them and different textures and and you know different sort of pairings that weren't your norm, um, and just making vegetables exciting. Which, to be honest, I found pretty hard most of my time up until then. Even when I was working there, still it was sometimes pretty difficult to come up with something new and, you know, unique, I think, um, with a focus around just like purely one, one vegetable or, or a few vegetables on a plate um, to make it really pop. Are there any discoveries or vegetables or dishes that you can tell us about that sort of changed that in you and your perception of what you can do with vegetables? Uh, I learned a bit about fermenting there. Um, I didn't go incredibly deep but i did touch base with a bit of fermenting um and i mean like other there was a one dish i made that uh was cucumbers young almonds and um like a kelp kelp and uh what's the other thing that was on there um oh, i just like this i can't remember the name of it now but a, oh, a gretty, sorry, something that's like commonly used in sort of like a, a, a like a quiche type thing in Europe. Um, the, the, like those sorts of things to me initially didn't really stand out as like veg that would or, you know, products that or produce that would really go that well together. Um, but for some reason, it just worked very well. Or there was another dish with um roasted beetroots, a camel curd and kimchi, like an aged kimchi that I made for that age for probably three weeks. Um, so it was like super dank. It worked really well with camel curd and also roast, roasted beets had that earthy note. So that was like a, another winner for me. Tell us about your first um, head chef role. How different was it compared to what you'd been used to in your career? Um, well, I think the management side of things was like the biggest sort of 
hurdle to come across, I think, initially. And then, like, I get I get pretty fixated on particular tasks, which I think is probably one of my downfalls. But um, I'm a bit of a perfectionist with some things, and. I, I get really, you know, caught up. Maybe I got a bit too caught up in the in the management side of things, where I sort of lost a bit of my creativity and just trying to balance those things really came like quite hard to me. Like it, it was a yeah, that that was probably the most the trickiest thing to really grasp and wrap my head around um, when I took my first sort of head chef role. You're in the Bentley Group for for quite a while, and also. Um, moved over to Monopole. Uh, tell us about you, your time there. Quite a different offering to Yellow. Yeah, yeah, it was. So the wine bar setting, um, people like to, you know, come there for like a special occasion sort of dinner or something like that, or maybe just a boozy lunch. Um, the offering I like to sort of, I was trying to make it a pretty elevated and, you know, snack snack sized for the first menu I did. Uh, had a nice little sort of, it's kind of like a pita pocket type thing made from spelt sourdough, which I learned a lot about bread working at yellow. Um, so I really wanted to put a little, a little sourdough number on there with beef tartare inside and, and a kombu egg butter. Um, but yeah, I was just thinking like quite snacky stuff when I first went there and it was, I had a bit more of a Euro approach to it, I guess. Um, yeah, that was. I mean, it was pretty fun working there. To be honest, had a had a good time. It was a nice crew. Um, yeah. The, the last couple of years have been challenging, but there's also been lots of opportunities. And Fabrica emerged um, in a young, dynamic hospitality group. Um, tell us about Fabrica. Yeah, so it was. It basically all spawned out of. Um, out of the lockdown and COVID happening. Um, so I left Monopole basically around the first lockdown, sort of in the middle of the first lockdown. Um, yeah, it just sort of wasn't working for, for me and um, sort of wanted to part ways and then had a bit of a break, obviously. There wasn't really any work going around. Um, everyone was just trying to make ends meet with their businesses and, you know, so it was a pretty, pretty tough time. But um, I'm good friends with one of the owners of the of Rigazzi um, and he sort of just hit me up saying that this was something that they wanted to do. So, because they were making pasta packs and things like that um, at Rigazzi during the lockdown, sort of selling that you know, through the shot and, um, and then, yeah, Scott, Scott Williams hit me up and asked if I wanted to head up Fabrica and I was, yeah, I was stoked. I was pretty, pretty interested. Pasta wasn't something I never really touched on before and I was really keen to learn about it. So that was a really good move, I think. Tell us about that business because it's a little bit different to the restaurant, but um, what, what did you take from your time at Fabrica? Well, there was, yeah, I mean, it was sort of, it's very much a retail store, you know, um, where sandwiches and sort of, sort of lunchtime pasta was, was on top and also learning a lot about pasta and different doughs and how, you know, different shapes and things like this was a huge part of that. Um, 
we sort of did a wholesale wholesale things were creeping up in that business um so there was a lot of supplying to internally to the restaurants inside the group like dear saint eloise and love tilly divine and um also regatti as well just sort of like light, lightening the load from from um, those restaurants so we could sort of do most of their pasta production which was a pretty unique experience i guess sort of leaning more on the production side of things rather than a, a restaurant offering um service but obviously balancing both to some degree um which was something that you know i got a bit of insight into um which was also yeah it was it was good fun and i had a really great team there which the guys are still there now um Annie and Tom and he's the baker and Tom was doing more butchery and things like that um which both went to all the restaurants as well and then other restaurants sort of started getting in on it and buying products from us so you know it was really cool to just have our products at Fabrica sort of going out to you know some of the better restaurants in Sydney which was pretty exciting uh, previous to you scoring the role at the old fits uh, Nick Hill was there for a period of time and Anna Ugard. How did the job come about for you? Um, yeah, so I, well, I was in the production side of things for the Fabrica group. So, well, for the Love Tilly group, sorry, for doing fully wholesale stuff to, you know, for retail and things like that and larger sort of um, pasta orders for restaurants. So I was just getting a bit stale for me, not, I didn't have anything against it or anything. It wasn't a, it wasn't a bad gig. It was, you know, it was a good different challenge. Um, and then one of my very good friends, who's also a good friend of Anna's, um, just like she, she had the idea that she was leaving and sort of had to ask around to see, you know, try and fill the role. Basically she asked him and I think he wasn't in the right place to, do so he sort of had other priorities which you know is is what it is and he sort of asked me he just said why don't why don't I put your name up for it and then you know the rest is I guess history sort of just went from there quite quickly and just evolved into me taking over tell us a bit about what you what you're cooking there um they've obviously got the bistro upstairs but the pub downstairs um with very different menus can you give us a, a dish or two of from the various areas to sort of exemplify your approach? Yeah. Um, so I want to touch throughout like each menu I'm going to do here. I think I'm going to touch a bit on, you know, uh, Australian nostalgic sort of things like on the first menu I'll be putting up, there's going to be an ode to the rooster roll, you know, like the classic red rooster rooster roll, which is something that personally I, I surfed a lot. Um, in my younger years and still do. And there was something that like, something that I'd always have with my mates after we went surfing was we'd go stop by Red Rooster because it was right by my friend's house that we all hung out at. And, you know, we'd all just get like a rooster roll or something like this. And it was just one of those things to me that's just, it's a, it's a bit bit gimmicky, but also so solid. If, <laughs> and I just want to make my own sort of one of those um, down at the pub, which... I think it's just like a great little pub feed type thing that some chips and a beer, just how could you go wrong really? Um, and upstairs, I want it to be a bit more, I guess like flirty and fun. Um, 
obviously like with having my new newfound pastor pastor love and experience um i learned some really cool shapes from scott like trophier a really cool hand hand shaped one sort of rolled into like a little lightning bolt shape um so i'm gonna put one of those on this little semolina trophier dish with um with a with a pesto and pangratado pine nuts um, really excited about that one. Also, a crepe cake, I think, would be is something else that I'm doing, which is a bit of a bit of a luxurious item to me, um, which I'm really excited about with uh, dolce de leche and rosellas. Um, tastes really yummy, to be honest. But it's it's already it's already probably my favourite. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just want to keep it a bit more fun upstairs kind of thing. Yeah. You've worked in all sizes of kitchens and the old fits has quite a a small sort of space. What's it been like managing that and sort of executing what you want to do? Um, Executing it. I don't think there will be much of an issue. It's, it's a pretty well equipped kitchen to be honest for something so small. And it's got all, all the things you could ever really need to be honest to, to produce almost anything you want. I mean, the space, yeah, it is quite small, and it's hard to fit bodies in there, to be honest. <laughs> but which is obviously something that will stop me from, you know, doing certain things, or or maybe just thinking about things differently. Like it's, but it's a challenge that I'm very willing to accept um, and take take lightly. So, so in, well, in a light sort of manner. Um, but yeah, it's. It's well fit for a small kitchen. I'm pretty excited about it. At the top of the show, we sort of talked about how, you know, this is a role that's that's quite rare where you've got complete autonomy over the, the menu. What, what, what are you excited about, um, you know, the next sort of year and this role that you have? Uh, I'm pretty excited to just be able to play on some of the more gimmicky things that maybe people that have a particular vision wouldn't be so psyched about doing um obviously you know that don't fit into that vision kind of thing so i'd I'd like it to jump my menu to jump around a bit and you know play on some classics and some and some fun things and put big twists on them and that sort of thing so i think like maybe one menu could have you know a lot more maybe euro sort of yeah dishes and and the next could have a lot more maybe asian ingredients involved because these are things that i sort of you know i like to jump around obviously with with my food and um yeah i just like to sort of see what what's good at the moment and what produce i can get at the moment and what's you know fresh and nice and i don't want to stick to i don't want to have an idea set in my head where i can't sort of use the produce at hand because there's such a big thing around produce at the moment it's very hard to get particular things and there's been a lot of hectic weather sort of forecasts and crisis and crises um that are affecting your average seasons of, of produce you know so i want to try work around that as much as possible you mentioned that you have a, quite a strict attention to detail and um, you find yourself in a position where you can really um, 
share your voice on the plate. But what do you love about what you do? Uh, I just love, basically I love creating things with my hands. I've always been a very hands-on um, person in general. Um, I find it a bit, you know, it's a, it's a nice release and, and especially when someone appreciates something that you create, um, with a vision in your mind and, and someone else shares that vision and, you know, really loves it, then it's a huge, huge accomplishment to me, I think. Um, so, yeah, just basically making people happy with food is like something that I really, really enjoy. And that's sort of like the big, the big thing for chefing, in, in my opinion. Well, Toby, uh, congrats on the new gig and look forward to seeing um, what you do there at the old fits. Um, We'd love having you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Thanks so much for having me. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.